Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a philanthropist, public speaker and social impact entrepreneur and an executive coach, a man of many, many, many different talents. Uh, his name is Arnold St. Paul. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure uh, to have you, sir. I prefer instead of executive coach, I prefer conscious guide. Conscious uh, guide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not here to coach anyone, but just to show where they well, could head up. Well, let's let's delve into that. What's a conscious guide? Yeah, it's someone that brings you to you, and but to a more conscious aspect of you, probably, right? And uh, so its job is to really enable you to become uh, a, a better ber- version of yourself in your own way okay. so there is no necessarily a there is a process obviously but there's it's always specific to the person to the individual so my role is to bring clarity and then you do the job right which is to to step the doors and open the doors step into them and then go to the other side figure out what it is and so on what do you do when you meet people that are I've asked this question to people before, but I'm interested to hear your answer. What do you do when people are quite closed-minded or not very receptive to your ideas? Or, you know, you know, like that people might not, they, they might be open to learning something new, but they're not really open to what, what you have to see, something new. You know what I mean? Like, what, what do you do when their minds are a bit more closed? Like, how do you approach that? I continue loving them for who they are and having that specific way of seeing the world. And if, if it happens that I'm not the one to be able to help them because I don't have the words to make that happen, that's okay. It's part of, uh, you know, part of the dance of life. Uh, but that nevertheless uh, doesn't change the fact that, uh, you know, they are not amazing and, uh, and have, they have their own unique way to see life. And that's, that's great. Okay. I mean, it kind of draws, I mean, there's different ways I can, I can continue, but I, I do want to kind of just talk before we kind of get onto your personal story. I just want to talk on some of these terms that you've come up with that are attached to what you just said. So on your website and on various other platforms that you have, you talk about things like conscious capitalism and conscious uh-huh. leadership. So could you kind mm-hmm. of, well, explain what these terms kind of mean and how they help businesses. Okay, so conscious capitalism is uh, a concept uh, which states that uh, capitalism is not anymore about just a shareholder. It's about multiple stakeholders. So including the shareholder, yes, but also the clients, the employees. The... So it's, it's about a more conscious use of capital and where many stakeholders need to be taken care of and not just one. So very straightforward. It's a novel uh, concept that emerged probably 15 years ago, 20 years ago, maybe. And that is uh, taking traction, getting traction in the US and is going, and you have other movements like B Corp or any social impact driven company is one way or another connected at least in in action right uh, to the conscious capitalism concepts so that's conscious capitalism does that make sense 
Yeah, no, it does. I just have questions off the top of that, but I won't interrupt. Uh, please continue and I'll, I'll save them okay. for afterwards. So now I'll, I'll get to conscious leadership. So conscious leadership applies to two aspects. It could be conscious leadership of your own life or conscious leadership of a company. Uh, they both start from the same premise, which is that, you know, whether an organization or a person, we all have these independent musicians that are all you know playing in their on their own without any coherence and then at some point you want to bring that coherence about so that uh, people can uh, really be part of a whole right and everything sounds or in unison so creating a symphony whether in my own individual, right, or in a company, same thing. So conscious leadership is about first for the leader to become aware of himself, meaning aware of all these musicians that are spread out here, there, there, and there, and that are conditioning not only the experience, but actually the outcome of whatever decision I, as a conscious leader, is taking, right? And when I become aware, then I have access to techniques to let go of any of these little musicians that are creating a little bit of chaos and cacophony and to bring them about and bring them in back to the symphony of the vision that i hold in my heart which is the purpose or the direction uh, where i'm going to go this is interesting right? so, hmm. oh sorry ahead. was there more no, no, I mean, I, I can go on more, but please continue. <laughs> well, all I was going to say is that, I mean, when it comes to specifically that term conscious leadership and, and the way you kind of explained it there, I've, I've certainly heard that um, different versions of that same idea kind of being expressed in, in modern leadership in, in companies. And I, I suppose right now we're at an interesting point when it comes to day-to-day -day business because... On one hand, you've got all these new, fresh ideas, some of which are new, some of which are rehashes of old ideas, um, you know, basically trying to encourage people, to, as you said, to like take charge and, you know, like it's this idea that everyone is fully in control of themselves and, you know, has the power to change and everything. And I have my skepticisms. Part of this is because of working in industry. I'm, I'm now a full-time freelancer, but I've worked in corporate and, and such, and I've seen the good and the bad and, you know, what good leadership looks like versus what bad leadership looks like. And I, I, I agree with the premise as much as a real leader is someone that kind of, well, leads as opposed to telling everyone what to do, you know, someone who kind of leads by example and, and gets stuck in. I think that's always going to be the best type of leadership. Um, so that that concept that you've got right there, I've seen that work, and I've seen it in 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 action, and I, th I think it's I couldn't agree more. But when it comes to your ideas with uh, cap conscious capitalism, when, when you were talking about it there, to me it still feels like a bit of a pipe dream in so much as, and I'm not saying it, it's not possible, mm -hmm. because I, th I think it does depend on the company. But when you were saying like it. it, it encompasses all different stakeholders and not just the shareholders well if you've got shareholders in in the midst and that's a main stakeholder that's always going to be the prioritized stakeholder because you know shareholder shares equals 
buying power it equals ownership and and direction in the company so obviously if i have 20 percent shares you have 30 40 percent shares you know we we have a say in how things are run and we can influence things uh not everyone obviously some shareholders are just there for the dividends there for um advisory purposes whatever but um my point with this is that i think it's it's noble to, to to introduce this idea and try to get people to adhere to this idea that you know all stakeholders should be equal and we should all have an equal interest in in the success of the company from different um it's not what it is stating sorry uh sorry to interrupt you what it is stating is that the the conscious capitalist should take into account all stakeholders of the main four stakeholders and when they are taking decisions Mm -hmm. Obviously, the shareholder keep still keep their, you know, their interest and their capacity to influence these decisions and whatnot. That doesn't change. But the it's it's why I talked about social impact as well, where the social impact entrepreneur will have to have like you know like a public benefit corporation has to have a purpose first, so that everything every decision is aligned with that purpose. So, but in any case, all this are beautiful ideals towards we want to tend to right and why not it doesn't seem to be a bad idea and it seems to be conducive to some positive outcomes including the ones for their environment so why not now i want to come back to the conscious leadership aspect which i think is uh, more is deeper and more interesting and 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 when you were saying that you were a bit uh, skeptic perfect amazing uh i wanted to offer a new premise on which you could base your life and any conscious leader should base their life on and it's a premise that is based on quantum physics which explains how the world works which is that and you're a musician so you're going to understand it right away every single thing every single uh, thought, emotions, encounter, objects, light, etc., are vibrations. Mm -hmm. Always. So what is interesting is when you start to assimilate that, so even the microphone you're talking into, so you're using vibrations to talk into the microphone, but the microphone itself is a vibration too. Hmm, interesting. But the bottom line is, if that is the case, then that also means that you and I are vibration. And I, I am currently resonating with you, right? We have that come and go, that dance between you and I. It's like some people and say so, it's, um, sorry to interrupt, but some people say we're on the same wavelength. And obviously, that's what they mean when yeah. they say that, don't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I, therefore, I can feel you i can connect with you and etc 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 but the bottom line is as we are resonating one one with another you start picking me picking things from me and i'm starting picking things from you whether consciously or unconsciously so let's say that we are in the same company right mm -hmm. you we i share let's say that i am conscious leader i share the vision and therefore you start resonating with that vision and because of my presence you start being in sympathy with it as well and all of a sudden everybody starts to uh, to play in unison 
starts to make sense, right? Because again, we are all instruments, we are all vibrating all the time. Any situation I may be in, any contrast, meaning any experience you may have had in corporate environment, was always the result of your vibration. Uh, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll save that. I'll save that. I'll save that. Go on. <laughs> so that's the thing. If you accept that all is vibration, you cannot not accept what I said. Well, I don't know because what you're saying kind of implies, at least somewhat implies that, you know, well, if you don't have the right vibration with this person, then, you know, you are the source of the problem. So, no, it's See, not necessarily tied to a person specifically. I can no, go we'll, deeper in. Yeah. We'll, we'll go, go with me on this journey for a second. Like, the, base, the basic premise of what you're saying, and I agree with it as well, is that, you know, like at the end of the day, if we're going to be, and there's lots of different ways that people say this, you know, some people say singing from the same hymn sheet on the same wavelength. There's so many ways of saying we are essentially on the same understanding of this thing. And while we might be different people, we might think differently. This one thing we feel and think the same way about this, this thing, we vibrate in the same way. Now, often you meet people in life that you don't, let's say vibrate with or mix with and maybe that's a clash of ideas that could be a personal thing the person you know you could just have a personal grievance with someone whatever the case may be but sometimes especially in a work context and sometimes it's ego driven or sometimes it's just a, as a result of other factors that aren't immediately obvious but the point is try as you might to to get on with someone and to present things in a manner that's uh, you know like I, i'll give you an example of what i mean like i've worked in places i always try to be in any team that i work in i try to be someone who offers ideas and i i don't shun other people's ideas so even if mm -hmm. i disagree with something that they're saying i'll say like let's say um they say oh let's try this thing i'll wear my grievances i'll say well i feel this way about this i'm not sure about this but let's try it let's give it a go let's see what happens you know and and also with regards to how i propose an idea especially when someone else has proposed an idea i say okay well that's great but what if we would try this so it's like you're you're not kind of destroying their idea because that's the thing people take everything personally you know like mm -hmm. a, an idea a belief of course a belief is part of you but especially in the business context like when you uh, criticize someone's idea or their work you are essentially criticizing them and people not everyone takes things that personally some people just realize that hey criticism is just part of life especially in business um especially if it's going to make you more money you know it's like yeah we'll do what's going to make me more money please you know um but the point is it's get, getting on that same wavelength sometimes is difficult and i feel like I guess my overall point with all of this is you have to be open to that idea, sure. you know, and there's a lot of people I've met over the years that aren't open. And so while mm -hmm. your idea in, in principle is, is great. And it's, you know, it would, it does work if people are open, if they're closed minded to that, it's like what's the expression banging your head against the brick wall. It's, you know, you, you can, yeah. And there's some people I've, I've dealt with over the years in business and in, in, in personal everyday life where you just can't get through to them. So, so you don't, you know, and, and it's not that that person is 
not reachable because no, yeah, sometimes it can be your technique as well sometimes it's it is a, as a result of how you approach them you know and th this is actually a, a question that i wanted to ask you which i kind of asked before but like let's say you need to like a, you're working with a business and let's say most of the people in that team are receptive to your ideas but then there's one person who's actively uh refuting your ideas you know obviously i mentioned before like you might deal with people that are closed-minded or actively rejecting it but like how how do you get through to them there must be a way to kind of disarm them so to speak or, or to like you know it's, it's not about disarming it's more about finding the right angle as you mentioned earlier okay. and sometimes they will be triggered by one specific topic or another, right? So they may say no, no, no to, I don't know, quantum physics 101, <laughs> but they would be open to, uh, they, they, they start asking themselves questions when they go through the workshop about balancing the masculine and the feminine energy. And, and then, then you take the, the, the little cable there, right? And you start, pulling it and then then you start opening up the door uh, of of self-understanding and uh and conscious conscious awareness in this case of the that individual he may come back later on for to quantum physics 101 to just to take that that, that idea yeah. uh but so we are all resonating in different ways obviously like any instrument and so it's not it's not a one-size-fits-all by all means on the contrary although we all share the same destination it's every path goes to rome as we all know uh and uh and so it is the same for any individual okay thank you thank you for that i appreciate that um mm -hmm. yeah what would you say are the qualities of a social impact entrepreneur hmm Excellent question. I guess I would start with compassion, empathy, altruism are most likely the three pillars on which a social impact entrepreneur is, you know, is the three horses on which he is uh, riding. Um, so that he can, he don't only has a vision of him help, wanting to help a specific segment of of uh, of the the social construct that we have around us and uh, and he does it yes for a benefit obviously and that's great but there are also a dose of empathy and of compassion because if not he's not he's in capitalism only and not in social impact capitalism i guess if we could say it that way do you not think that the idea of capitalism in general and what it promotes versus these ideas that you're trying to introduce in, in into the business like they kind of almost refute each other i mean because capitalism at its heart kind of encourages competitiveness and 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 such and part of that can be, i'm not saying it should be but it can be you know the old cliches of stepping on others in order to get where you want and and being having aggressive sales and marketing tactics etc uh so how can you how can you sort of promote these ideas of compassion and and, and such in in that kind of environment 
I mean, the thing is, what we call capitalism is a very much a skewed balance towards the masculine energy. So, in other words, it's a, a, a very masculine-driven set of values. Okay. And we are, as a society, getting into more feminine values, where we find a new balance, right? So right now, or capitalism is masculine there, feminine here, and we're slowly getting somewhere, meaning getting into more balance. And we're talking about, you know, the politics and capitalism. So economy, politics, everything is going in the same direction. So our society is evolving and individuals as well. So in other words, you have companies that are too masculine driven and therefore are running into too many struggles and competition, et cetera, et cetera, which is great. It's a beautiful journey. However, there is a more efficient way to make things happen if we find a more balanced team, way, spirit, culture, et cetera, et cetera, that not only uses amazing masculine values, but also feminine values. And when they are together, then we accelerate the growth of our company, but in a very different way where it's not anymore about struggle, it's more about positioning and, and going into, getting into more collaboration, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, we have that opportunity. It's up to each of us as, as leaders to choose if we want to go in that direction or not, obviously. And there are people that will continue to hold towards the, the masculine value, and that's great. But they, where we're going, they will have less and less possibilities to, to thrive. So that's kind of where you think we're headed then, is a more compassionate almost version of business, which I don't know, it, it almost seems impossible to me in, in a sense, because one thing I've noticed is there's this large contradiction between the values that companies purport to be following. So, you know, things like value propositions and mission statements and goals and aims. It's all very, and sorry, I know I sound like particularly cynical today. So for any regular listeners to show, they're probably like, whoa, what, what crawled up his ass? <laughs> but I don't know, like, I, I think the only reason that I have this kind of attitude is that, you know, I've every company that I've worked with or joined um, seems, with the exception of short um, um, startups, they seem to have a refreshingly different take on this but then they eventually do become businesses that's the thing that's always the goal with a startup is to eventually become a, a company but they'll have these value propositions they'll have these these goals these ways principles if you like and maybe in the beginning they they begin to follow them or they or they aim to follow them but then there's this kind of disconnect and maybe it's because they're not able to sustain their business and adhere to those principles maybe it's that maybe it's just they stop caring you know they start making money and then you know it's like well i care about this i don't care about this anymore um the way i look at it is that i kind of see it as a big old pr thing i mean when i was at school in business school this was 15 odd years ago maybe uh, we learned a lot about things like corporate social responsibility and and when i first was introduced to that idea it kind of seemed like um this idea of like okay maybe it's something that in principle 
is something we can all aim and strive towards, but maybe not something that is immediately possible. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it, 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 uh, the longer the business goes on and, and the more, the deeper you get and the, and the higher that business kind of, the higher stages that it reaches over time, the more it, you kind of find yourself saying, well, okay, do these, do these businesses turn their back on these value propositions or are they just mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know. What, what was the reason behind that? You know, are, are they actually truthful? Do, do they actually believe in these principles or is is this just like a an unfortunate happenstance mm-hmm. um, yeah i mean what what i can where i can be confident is the fact that you know our, that 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 movement has started a few hundred years ago and it's continuing moving in the same direction and it's accelerating and not just in the economy, in, at all levels of society. And therefore, yes, you, can, you could consider all these CSR and other aspects completely cosmetic, although some of them mean well, and you know, it needs time. Any movement needs time to, to take shape and, and happen, and things for, for things to happen. So just have to be patient sometimes and uh, or find the right company also right. that, that uh, aligns with that okay um i've just realized i'm pressed for time so i'm gonna have to shorten some of my uh, questions to you so i'm gonna fire out some some regular questions that i ask every guest what's the best advice you've ever received huh i don't know uh the best advice i have received i guess i'm going to change a little bit the question and uh what is the best question i have ever found interesting and it is who am i i like that i like that yeah Yeah, that's that's a good one okay what's the biggest life lesson you've learned so far that we are so much more than we think we are. Interesting. So that there's more potential and possibilities for us at all times. Night and day. <laughs> I love that. Um, how do you, one question I want to ask you, cause you know, you balance a lot of different things in your life. Do you have any kind of like time management tips that you could share with people? None whatsoever. Well, I have one. <laughs> uh, no, I have one probably. Yes. Trust the universe to bring you whatever you need, whenever you need it. Okay. Therefore, you don't need any time management. I like that. Um, let's throw it back to your public speaking. Like, what would you say are the key elements of a successful speech? And also... What do you think makes a good public speaker? A speaker that talks from his heart authentically and who is able to really listen to the audience that is not speaking, right? Uh, so that he conveys the right word for that specific audience at that specific time. 
Okay. Um, what would you say is the difference between an executive coach and a regular business coach? Uh, a business coach will focus more on the techniques on how to, you know, grow your business. So whether it's marketing or sales or et cetera, so you will have an overview of the business and how uh, you can manage it. A, an executive coach will be more a helping the, the individual, the CEO to find the right answers within him. So it's helping him to manage the company. So, you know, it's a bit broader scope, less technical. Uh, for the executive coach, uh, and while well, the business coach will have more more technicalities to handle. In your own words, you experienced an awakening at age thirteen, and I, I suspect that it's probably influenced a lot of how you have lived your life and you know where you are today. But talk us through that experience and how things changed and how it shaped your life. Um, I guess it, it's, you know, in that moment when the, any truth that you hold within you, uh, starts superseding anything that is being offered to you by the outer world between quotes. So, so it's, it's the emergence of that inner world that we may choose to have or not. Right. And, uh, that led me very quickly towards that question I was mentioning earlier, who am I? That became an obsession for me and, uh, and led me to study the different religions, the different uh, um, books, uh, philosophies, practices that were available that uh, humanity has, has gone through and has put together. And uh, so that was the inception of what I can offer today, uh, which is, the, is that heartful method because I was always, I have always been on that journey to understand further how we're having this human experience and how that whole thing works, right? The, the mind, the heart, the eye, what does that mean? Uh, how, how does that apply to my day-to-day -day life? Is there a way for me to uh, find a balance that not only uh, fosters more uh, prosperity and thriving and, and happiness at the same time. And, you know, as that, as these questions were emerging, then started to emerge as well responses in the form of drawings uh, that uh, would give me a map of how to live life uh, in a better way. And uh, nowadays I use it to help leaders to rewire themselves and start from scratch uh, and live a life that is vibrational uh, driven instead of uh, of uh, feeling it's it being tangible and, uh, and and living from more feminine values than masculine ones also at the same time right that's part of the of the that journey so it's quite a young age to go for a spiritual awakening i had one a few years ago maybe three or four years ago now um when i was living in europe and the thing that it taught me was that well to be honest the biggest thing it taught me was to stop being afraid and just kind of go for it but um you're you're 13 
And at that age, when we're teenagers, when we're in school, however you want to look at it, school, schooling, to a certain degree, how our parents raise us, it's part of like a, a set way of, of doing things. It's like there's a certain degree of indoctrination that occurs. And you know, maybe our parents introduce us to, to freeing ideas. Maybe we even get taught certain free ideas at school. I know that I learned critical thinking as a result of a few different teachers at school, but the rest of the teachers were like trying to get me to think in this kind of very boxed way of thinking, which is really and truthfully is just there to kind of set you up for <laughs> a life of doing things, doing what you're told, basically. Um, if you choose so, you can also, because of that super contrast, then you can choose to override it. But that's, that's the thing. And that's kind of what I want to tap into because while we always do have that choice, we don't always necessarily have the strength and the confidence to understand that there is a choice and we don't have the realization necessarily. You know, this is why I, I wanted to talk to you about this because having such a profound realization at such a young age is a really powerful thing. And you know, it's, it's difficult to, you know, for, like, for instance, in my own life, it was difficult for me to overcome fear. And it wasn't a case of people not introducing those ideas to me. You know, there were people around here and there, maybe not enough people, but there were people here and there saying what I needed to hear. But it, I didn't get to that point until I got to that point where I was ready to hear it. And suddenly I listened and then changed things. Right. But you're age 13. You, you, you have this awakening moment. Was it, was it introduced to you by a specific person or was it just a, a series of realizations? I know you've, you've delved a little uh, bit, it, but as far as... It, it's, it was more, you know, I was offered, you know, I was imposed to go to church and do the things, you know, the things we'd have to do when, I mean, uh, me coming from a Christian family. And I said, no, this doesn't make sense. What makes sense to me is God is everywhere. And I'm, I'm him, he's me. That, that was the truth that could, would only explain what I was feeling. And so I was able to say no and, uh, and then go from there. And so, the, so that was the type of realization. So the people around you, like family and friends, would they essentially embraced the ideas that you that you were now expressing was there support there and or if not like how did you oh, overcome no no no, that? no 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 i was alone oh okay so, sorry to hear that um well no, how did you, how did you overcome that because I've, i think that's a very powerful position to be in to be able to get to the point where you persist and you know push forward with with how you feel in despite of pushback so how did you deal with that pushback you you just can't help it it's it's what makes sense to you and you just do it because you don't have, I mean, you know, it's as if you, uh, I was asking you, what is it to, how is it to be a black person? You don't know, you can't help it. You're white. So you're, you're being white and that's it. Maybe not the best example I chose, but anyway. No, so, I, I get it. I get it. Like it, it just is, it's a fact. It's, yeah. it's, it's a thing. It's, and, and then that, that's it. It's, it is. Yeah. yeah. I get it. So okay um well let's let's talk about how like you transitioned that into business so you had these ideas that became part of you that became who you are so how did you kind of realize okay 
this is something I can you know, make money with. I can help people with this. Like, where did that transition come? The good question. Um, so in that never ending inquiry towards myself, right? I started to acquire tools, whether from these drawings that I was mentioning earlier or meeting people and, uh, and um, meeting, you know, working on myself and therefore working with people and therefore learning what they were doing and how they were doing it and so on and so forth. And uh, so when living in Spain, I had a center helping people to heal themselves and be reborn to themselves. And is once I got these famous drawings I was telling you about, which became a 12 session program on their own, right? Uh, it was not on purpose at the very beginning. It just became that I had such a collection and they started to make sense and become coherent, obviously. And, uh, and then I started helping one person and then another and then another and it was working mar marvelously. And so then it became a thing. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and now it's, it's one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions. It's also a retreats and there will be online courses as well, etc. because it ought to help as many people as we can. Throughout your life and throughout your business career, what have been your biggest challenges and how did you overcome them? Hmm. I guess the biggest challenges has always been myself. Uh, because always limiting myself in one way or another, unconsciously, obviously. And, uh, and so it's, you know, probably I heard that recently uh, from a lady, I think, you know, entrepreneurs are probably the, the more conscious people ever uh, because their, their journey, the journey of an entrepreneur is uh, to become more and more conscious of himself if he wants to really be the, the entrepreneur he believes to be, right? And uh, so how did I overcome that? Well, with patience and with resilience and persistence and uh, applying my tools. The one that I had, you know, discovered throughout the years. What would you say have been your biggest success cases so far when it comes to the work that you do? I mean, each and every one of them is is a success, absolutely stunning. Uh, the I couldn't say one is better than the other because it would detract from the others, which wouldn't make sense because each is unique. And now, I mean, I've seen CEOs that all of a sudden start sign, signing nine-figure contracts because we did just, you know, we spent half an hour together and boom. And, uh, and other CEOs that have been able to all of a sudden finance their whole resort um, when they were before we started working, they were feeling like a victim and it would never ever happen, right? So it's not only about finance, obviously there are so many other aspects, but that's the only one we can measure per se. Uh, but um, yeah, I think everyone is a success really. Even that lady that I worked with 10 years ago contacted me 10 years after wanting to do something else and then we do it and then she's happy on her way. And uh, taking everything into account, 
with regards to all of your work that you've done throughout your life, what would you say are the biggest kind of lessons you've learned from, from that work? Wow. Uh, that's a vast question. <laughs> uh, well, the key, maybe the key things that stand out, you know, I mean, we, we've explored some of those themes throughout this show so far, but maybe I, I mean, and this is a very biased answer, but okay. I think that the best out, the best, yeah, the, the best thing I can come up with uh, as a summary of all the different uh, activities I have had so far is uh, to listen to my heart. And, and so if we listen deeply enough, he will guide us. And uh, that's probably the best description I can provide to answer your question. That's brilliant. I mean, my, I try to kind of make these questions always, you know, personal to, to the person as, as much as like give give people like room to kind of like explore how, how they feel about things. And there are no right or wrong answers, really. It's just truthfully like, right. what are your yes. takeaways, you know, because it's very easy to talk about successes and failures, etc. But the key things you want to sort of touch on are the experiences the lessons and i imagine these are some of the themes that you kind of will explore in you know in your in, your, in the conferences and the public speaking you do because it's like those stories those lessons that you learn are the things that you can share with others and be like hey maybe it's learn from my mistakes or maybe it's learn these lessons that i'm giving to you that i've learned in my life you know it's always about sharing you know and that's kind of what i'm yeah. trying to do with this show as well is to kind of share the very best of people and say hey look at this person they've got a wealth of knowledge and, and experience that they have and they're sharing it with you you know mm. no and you're doing it very well, oh, well thanks uh, so. <laughs> pleasure. yeah I, um, I mean we have so much inside ourselves i mean it's and uh, i see so many people just completely forgetting it and not using it and it's great you know but why not? Why not? Yeah, why not indeed? Uh, as we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, upcoming project, I'm working on my third book, um, which is going to be The Heartful Method. The second one was uh, I, which is a journey of I towards itself. And uh, projects were organizing a retreat in Egypt on the, on the Nile. Uh, that's going to be absolutely stunning and to help people experience harmony uh, and uh, during a, a seven day uh, trip and you know using the temples and vip retreats we uh, have vip visits of the temples it's it's really something and um and then what else yeah there will be coming at some point an online course but i don't know exactly when yet and yeah that's about it now uh final thoughts I think, you know, to summarize, we have so much potential inside ourselves. It's a pity not, not using it. And so if you, if you want to know more, let me know and I can, I can share it. Uh, and, and, and it is there in our, at our disposal. And life becomes so much easier and magical when we start applying that. So let's let's you know hear and listen to our hearts and uh, it will guide you without without a doubt and uh, without a missed step 
uh, towards what is our vision. Brilliant. Thank you so much uh, for sharing, for, for being on the Thank show. You. It's been a real pleasure. Likewise. And to all Bye. the listeners of the Christian Reef podcast, as always, be safe, be well. Thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in the next one.